You are listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. Hi, welcome to the next episode of Ideas and Leaders podcast. Today, I'm speaking with John Sills. He's a managing partner in customer-led growth company, The Foundation. He spent the last 25 years working with companies around the world to make things better for customers. And we are going to speak about the customer perspective, about John's book. Hi, John. It's great to have you on Ideas and Leaders. Hey, Lena. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really interested in the conversation. So, John, you you are a book author. You wrote the book called The Human Experience, How to Make Life Better for Your Customers and Create a More Successful Organization. So how did you, why did you decide to write this book in the first place? Yeah, I think it's a funny thing about, you know, whether you decide to write a book or whether it just kind of happens, I suppose. So I, I've been writing articles for quite a while about customer experience and about my experiences and I really love telling stories and I really love writing I kind of really got into the habit of it and it becomes one of those things where you think you know I really want to I really kind of want to write a book I really feel like it's something I want to do um, but I never really had the theme around it I just had all these disparate ideas so in that kind of classic uh, I suppose approach I was in the shower and I just suddenly had this thought about human and humanity and thinking, you know, that's the thing. That's the thing I think that organizations are missing at the moment, this kind of real humanity in their experience. Maybe that's the theme I should write about. Um, so then I thought, well, now I've got my theme, so I need to go and get writing. So, yeah, it was kind of that moment that triggered me to start to bring it all together into into a book. And um, it happened that I had a bit of extra time over uh, COVID because I wasn't commuting as much, so I was able to spend a bit more time on it then. Um, and, yeah, that's how I got from not having a book to having a book, I think. Yeah, so many great ideas start in the shower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is what I, I hear a lot. And yeah. also many great projects started during COVID. <laughs> well, well this, this is it. I know that there's um, a lot of talk about kind of going for walks and being in the shower, isn't there? That, you know, just kind of switching off. Stephen Johnson, that you probably know, you'll know, I'm sure, the innovation writer talks a lot about the slow hunch. And, you know, you just have to have all of this different information in your brain and you kind of read read widely and read lots of different things and then just let these ideas form over time. But your brain can only work on those ideas when you're not thinking about other things. So you have to have those moments, whether it's in the shower or going for a walk or going swimming, I sometimes find, where your brain's just not thinking about anything else. And then you just realize your brain's working on this stuff in the background and it and it kind of pops out and i think it's one of the big challenges we've got at the moment actually we all spend all of our time you know listening to things reading things you know scrolling through social media we fill up every moment of our day and i think that actually stops our brains from really thinking deeply about things that might end up giving us those brilliant ideas yeah, absolutely. We so need to slow down sometimes and just to to let everything go and then great ideas come. You know, my podcast, Ideas and Leaders, is one of the um, COVID uh, projects because yeah. I just had more time to think and to, to think what I want to do. Yeah. And the, yeah, this, this project developed uh, as well. So yeah. your book, Human Experience, um, you're writing about how to make life better for the customers. And I think that 
it is so important to have this customer perspective in our organizations, whether we have uh, small companies or big companies, we need to think about our customers first, not only about our, you know, marketing and sales and, and operations. So what, in your opinion, we can start with when we want to start focusing on our customers and we want to start adopting this customer perspective? Yeah, I think that, you know, it's an interesting thing because the premise of the book, I suppose, is we've had all of this amazing technology that's appeared in the last 20 years to help make people's lives better. But it feels like despite that, customers are less happy now than they were before. And and I think that's because organizations have spent that time using this technology to improve and focus on the functional experience. So trying to you know do more things more quickly in more ways, more cheaply than ever before. And they've lost sight of the real kind of human connection, the whole principle of a relationship with a customer. And they've also lost sight on the broader principle, which is your business exists to try and help other people's lives be a bit better, or hopefully should exist for that reason. Um, but it's kind of happening in, in reverse. And I think the first thing that leaders in organizations can do to try and get this right is to is to really understand what matters to their customers not just rely on this big influx of data we've got coming in so i often uh, one of the things i talk about in the book is the myth of customer feedback you know and there's never been more information about customers coming into organizations than there is at the moment you know we've got this epidemic of feedback surveys you know we're constantly being asked you know would you recommend us how would you score us out of 10 how happy were you with the service that you got and there's a huge influx of that data and that's good but the problem is it's all at what we call the thin end of the wedge. You know, if you imagine your customer's life as, you know, this wedge shape and at one end you've got their real world, their real life, their hopes, dreams, ambitions, family, their friends, their job. And you've got the kind of challenges, the things that get in the way, the services that they used to help. Right at the very end is, you know, your business is that leader's business. But nearly all of the customer insight that we see coming into organizations is, at the thin end of the wedge, what do you think about us? What do you think about our service? What do you think about our product? Would you recommend us? And so leaders have to try and step away from that data, have to re-engage with what really matters to real people. You know, spend time with them at their home, with their permission, at their home, in shops, you know, you know, spend working on the front line, go and work in your contact center. It's only by really understanding what matters to your customers that you're going to be able to get close to, to improving their life for them. Otherwise, you believe that you're close to what matters to your customers, but actually you're only close to your customers' opinions of your business. And that's a very subtle, but a very significant difference. Yeah. And also, I think that what you're saying is that the the emotional experience, the human experience is as important as the experience of the product and the service for, for our customers. And in those customer feedback surveys that we're using in our businesses all the time and we're asking people, oh, how did you like the product? And we get, yeah, the product was good. You can improve this and that. So basically we are interacting on the level of the functional functionalities of our business. So how can we actually know what the customers want and how they feel interacting with us? And how can we go on a deeper level than customer feedback survey. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, it, 
you know, it is the most important thing, how you make your customers feel. Because what you're trying to do as a business is earn customer decisions in your favor. You know, your products on their own aren't going to make you any money at all. It's only customers deciding and choosing to use your products that you're going to make money. It sounds really obvious, but a lot of businesses forget that. The product doesn't make the money. You know, it's the customer choosing to use the product that makes that makes the money. So you do, you need to start to really get back into what matters to customers. We call it, at the foundation, we call it customer immersion. Um, and it is some of those things about, you know, you go and study your customers, go and spend time with them. You've got to go and observe them. You know, that observation is really important uh, because customers won't tell you the truth in a way. They'll think they're telling you the truth, but they, they won't. I'll tell you a quick story about that. The I was doing some work with a big food manufacturer a couple of years ago uh, about the future of ready meals, you know, convenience food, fast food. And so I went to interview a lady in her home and she was a yoga instructor, mid forties, very fit and active, said that, you know, my body's a temple, you know, and all of my, you know, I've ne- I cook everything from scratch. I'd never use ready meals. I'd never eat bad food. A couple of hours later, I went shopping with her into one of the supermarkets and, you know, we're going up and down the aisles and she's putting lots of healthy things in. And then she picks up a ready-made mashed potato and throws that in. And then a ready-chopped red onion and she throws that in. And I said, well, hang on, how does that match up with, you know, I'm never going to use pre-prepared food. And she said, oh, well, I'm not, I haven't got time to peel and chop vegetables. Like that's just a waste of time. Anyway, we carry on and we get to the end of the supermarket where all the chocolate and the wine is. And I think, well, we're going to, you know, fly past here. But then she sweeps in whole load of chocolate and a whole load of bottles of Prosecco and I said well how does that match up with your you know really healthy lifestyle and she said oh for that's girls night on a Friday night that doesn't count Uh, and so she'd she'd it was really interesting because in the interview if you just took what she said you wouldn't have understood that she did that because she's discounted that from her own brain because that's not really her that's a different one night in a week where she gets to be someone else so she would never tell you that's what she does it's only by observing her and observing her behavior that you could really see what was really going on. So that's what leaders need to do. They need to get back into that real observation, working with the frontline, working in the contact centers to really understand what's going on, not just rely on the data or look for the look for the things that, um, you know, they want to be true. Yeah, definitely people will not tell you all the, all the truth, but if you spend some time with them, you'll know better, you'll know all the motivations and maybe values of, of those people and it will be easier to interact with them definitely. So and you're saying in your book that customer experience is not just a responsibility of frontline employees that we should share it across the company. How can we do it? How can we share this culture? of, of uh, customer-centered experience across the company? Yeah, I think it's a really good question because the, you know, this is what the natural inclination is to just say, well, that's just about helping the frontline team give a better service. But it's really the teams in the back office that make all the decisions that allow that to happen, either in terms of the freedom that they give the frontline or in terms of the decisions they make about where to invest, you know, or the legal team, what kind of wording they're going to have, you know, the marketing team, what kind of communications they're going to put out. Um, you know, in HSBC, uh, a few a few weeks ago, HSBC sent me a letter about my mortgage and it said, are you ready for that fresh rate feeling? 
And um, in the UK, mortgage rates have quadrupled uh, in the past three or four months. So, you know, when I got this letter, it's fair to say I was not ready for that fresh rate feeling. You know, I kind of wanted the older rate I had. And that's a, de a decision by the marketing team to send out this letter without the front line. So what needs to happen is two things. Firstly, from a cultural perspective, you need to have leaders that really believe that being customer-led is going to lead to commercial success because that's often where the problem is. People naturally want to do nice things for customers, but they don't believe it's going to make the business money. And ultimately, shareholders shout more loudly than customers, so the money wins out in the end. So you need to show right from the top, right from the leadership, that you believe that being customer-led is going to create commercial success. And then build that into everything you do as an organization, into how you measure, how you prioritize, how you remunerate people, you know, the, the things that people in your team get measured on. That's the first thing. The second thing then is you need this really open feedback loop. You need to have everyone in the organization being really close to the impact you're having on customers' lives. I once tried to get uh, one of the businesses we work with to change their contact center metrics from average wait time to number of human lives wasted because uh, I thought if you counted up all the time that people had spent on hold to them that year and converted it into human lives wasted then that might that might bring a little bit of um, uh, a sharp focus to what you're actually doing with people so you know that kind of thing getting away from averages because they hide the truth focusing on actuals you know, those kind of things are the things that can help to build the culture across the organization. So really strong leadership training is linked to commercial success and a real kind of open feedback loop that makes sure everyone in the organization knows the impact that's being had on customers. Yes, definitely. We need to make sure that everyone knows why we're doing what we're doing, right? Yeah. Um, and um, so, so what do you think, what we can do to actually get more loyal customers more customers that come back to us what uh, what kind of behaviors should we adopt what kind of what, uh, things we should do to have this goal yeah it's, it's all about usefulness really I'm not really a I'm not really a believer in customer loyalty you know and I think it can be dangerous to believe that customers are loyal Generally, customers will stay with you if you're more useful than the competitors and the alternatives. If you are, they'll stay. If not, then they'll go. What we see in organizations that do this really well is they have fantastic perspective. You know, they manage to keep their head up. They're not just looking at their competitors. They're not just looking at their industry. They're looking at what's happening in other industries around the world for customers. You know, how organizations are really trailblazing on behalf of their customers. If you want to keep your customers you know, uh, staying with you and making decisions in your favor, you need to keep being useful to them. And that means you need to be giving them things before they've realized they've wanted them. You need to be giving them things before your competitors do that. Um, but for that, you need that perspective. You need to avoid this kind of inside out perspective that comes from being in a big organization where you get surrounded by your own colleagues and regulators and instead really focus on the outside world and what you can bring in from the outside that can help you do that trailblazing on their behalf. Yeah, so we need to keep being useful to have more loyal, loyal customers. And um, you're you're speaking about the the in your book you're speaking about the certain behaviors that we need to to demonstrate to have more customers to have more successful organization. So I know that 
many entrepreneurs are listening to us. People have their businesses. They, they are bigger or smaller businesses. So let's give them a couple of tips. What can we do in our businesses to actually have more customers to have this customer oriented approach? Yeah, so the, one of the things that I see a lot when you look at the ways of working and the culture across these businesses is about freedom and empowerment. Um, generally, people want to do the right things for customers. You know, you don't need to teach people how to be empathetic. You don't need to teach people how to be human. But what you do need to do is give them the freedom to to make the right decisions. You know, so many organisations now they feel like they're full of humans that aren't allowed to act in a human way, restricted by processes. Now, if you're a startup, that tends to be a little bit easier. You're a smaller team, you're more closely connected to your customers, but it acts a bit like gravity. The bigger the organization gets, the stronger the gravity, uh, you know, and the gravity that's pulling you inside out and stopping you being close to your customers. So if you're a startup or an entrepreneur, you're starting to grow your business, as well as making sure that you stay really connected to your customers, you need to kind of try and retain that sense of freedom. Because as you grow, the easiest thing to be is to make things more repeatable, put more processes around it, try and make it more systemized. It's the right thing to do. But in doing that, you can end up stopping your frontline teams feeling like they've got the freedom and empowerment to go and make things better for customers. So finding ways, keeping that freedom, allowing your people to have that structured flexibility, know what good looks like, really showcase what good looks like. And then let them go and be free to do that is often the way that great organizations manage to keep giving a great experience while still growing and being commercially successful. Yeah. And uh, I really liked what you said about you know, being restricted by processes. I think that we can see that many bigger organizations and, and uh, maybe governmental organizations, they don't provide very good customer experience often and we complain about it but we maybe we don't think about the those employees that they're doing their best within the processes that they have to go through so it is it is not that they're bad or mean it's just that they don't have the chance to to have better customer experience so do you have any um maybe recommendation for organizations that actually have a lot of you know processes and and administration procedures going on how can we actually be closer to customer in in this reality yeah i try I, what i try and do is really just focus on the few moments that have the biggest impact it's very easy to try and be all things to all people you know try and be brilliant at every part of the experience what you need is a really clear vision of the experience you're going to create as an organization and as part of that as a leader decide what that means in terms of the moments you're going to focus on the most and the journeys the customer journeys that you're going to focus on the most that helps you then kind of cut out all of the noise and all of the things that might be distracting you and just say right let's just really focus on getting these two or three things right Again, most of the organizations I work with, they've got the ambition. They want to be great for customers. They want to be commercially successful, but they lack focus. They lack focus on the few things that really matter, the few things that will make the biggest difference. So if you can really understand that from your customers, then you can make those decisions of where you're going to focus and then start to improve in those areas rather than doing lots of well-meaning but quite piecemeal activity that never really ladders up to, uh, never really ladders up to something overall. 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that it is a very important tip in uh, many areas of our business that we need to focus on just one or two things that are really important and keep those things really important, not trying to change everything at once. So, John, what would you recommend to our listeners to kind of sum up our discussion? What would you recommend to start doing or stop doing in their organizations to be closer to their customers and to to have more successful companies? Yeah. Yeah, I think the first thing that I, in summary would be the point I made at the start, which is about not just relying on the data that you have coming in with your customers, also going out there and meeting your customers for real, really observing them, really, really understanding their behavior. Once you've done that, the second thing I would do is make sure that you've turned that into a crystal clear vision for your organization. So you know the kind of experience you want to create and that everyone in your organization, whether they're front office or back office, everyone in the organization knows exactly what you're trying to achieve and what that kind of success looks like. If you've got that really good understanding of customers and you've got a really clear, focused vision on what you're trying to achieve, then those two things go a long way in helping your organizations and your leaders to start to be more successful for customers. And over time, that will build the belief and show you that's going to create a more commercially successful organization too. So yeah, I think they'd be my my, uh, top two tips to start with. Great, perfect. Thank you so much, John. And of course, if we want to learn more, then I really recommend to to get the book, The Human Experience. So where can we find the book? Is it available online? Um, yeah, yeah, published by Bloomsbury. So it's available uh, online, the normal places, Amazon and, and other places local to you. You can get it direct from Bloomsbury as well. Um, so yeah, it's online and then I'm on LinkedIn and I've got a newsletter as well, which is CX stories that I kind of write every couple of weeks of various customer experience and innovation and leadership thoughts, uh, and, uh, and stories and ideas. So yeah, if you search my name in the human experience, you should be able to find the book somewhere. I'm sure. Perfect. So we will put the link uh, to your book and to connect with you under our episode so that our listeners can reach out and connect with you if they have any more additional questions. Thank you so much, John, for being on Ideas and Leaders. It was such a pleasure talking to you today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Elena. Thank you for listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag Ideas and Leaders. See you in the next episode.